There's no doubt about it. Life at times can be tough. Relentless problems, issues and challenges, all requiring a juggling act just to ensure balance. Hopefully, that is in your world on a daily basis, but there's no getting away from it. Life can be super stressful. So what can you do to ground yourself, work off the tension and regain your focus? For some, it's sports, others yoga or meditation, maybe socialising with friends, immersing yourself in a hobby. Whatever it is, I trust it's working for you. But that said, you're here listening to this, so I'm figuring you're exploring other options too. All right, let's just get straight into this. Now, this might sound a little weak, but did you know that a way to get passed over a fear of flying is to better understand how planes fly, you know, the science of it? Well, so too, a good place to start in managing our anxiety is to gain an understanding of how our minds work. Why? Because by doing so, it creates a greater self-awareness. So when we experience stuff that triggers feelings of overwhelm or anxiety, we can put a finger on what it is and in turn tap into resources that support us. Let me bring this to life by asking you a few questions. What are you doing this evening? What about this weekend? How about next week? I ask these random questions to highlight a key human trait. We are all future focused. From being at school to where you are today, you've been permanently looking at the next thing to do. From the exams to take to the job you want to the promotion you need, it's a never-ending glance into the short and long-term future. Now, don't get me wrong, while this behaviour isn't in and of itself a bad thing, clearly you know, we all need to plan, organise and schedule, it's the impact on your well-being and how your mind responds to this future focus. There's the rub. Take a moment. Think about those things that you worry about. Very often, they're not actually happening right in this moment. What's actually happening is you're thinking ahead and worrying about what might be. You're kind of mentally conjuring up a multitude of scenarios and creating emotional turmoil based on what-ifs. Tell you what, take a moment now. Think about stuff you've got going on in your world that's creating an element of anxiety for you. Okay, so how much of that is actually happening as you're listening to this? Don't get me wrong, I know it's incredibly hard not to be glancing into the future. We're literally hardwired as human beings to protect ourselves from a perceived danger, that's why we do it. What I'm highlighting here, this behaviour is in our DNA. It's not unique to you and it can be easy for us to feel as if we're alone in our experiences. Having worked with thousands of others, I can confidently say, you're not. So what's the answer to this? Okay, well, I promise that's coming. Let me just ask you another question. Are you a fan of keeping fit? Perhaps you go to the gym or do some other form of physical exercise. Even if that isn't you, you'll get the gist of what I'm about to share. Now, for the purposes of delivering this message, I'm going to assume that that is you, that you do uh, in some way, shape or form and keep fit. So you'll know in order to make lasting physical changes, which are noticeable, it takes significant commitment, dedication and perseverance. It ain't easy. It's hard work. It takes effort. Well, here's the thing. Guess what? Getting in control of your mind is equally challenging, requiring the very same level of focus. Now, without a doubt, you'll 100% be aware of some of the techniques to support you to do that. Meditation being one. Thing is, for some people, that word conjures up religious connotations or images of tree-hugging hippies, so it puts them off. Alternatively, they've given it a go and did it for a period of time 
and given up because they felt it was wasting time or not working. By the way, I'm absolutely not suggesting you have to do meditation. What's important is that you find what works for you. Now, what I am suggesting is there's as much advice already out there in the world to support you make changes to your mental state as there is in how to build your physical strength. In many cases, all this advice is totally free as well. Articles like this, this podcast, YouTube clips, Instagram posts, TikToks, blogs, books, lessons, classes, coaches. But you know what? It boils down to you feeling this is so important that you'll be willing to make tough decisions and maybe even some personal sacrifices in order to make it happen. So the simple truth is your mind is your mind. He may feel at times that it's in control of you. The trick is to take back that control. And don't beat yourself up. You've been born with one of the most complex things known to man and it didn't come with an instruction manual. That's your brain, by the way. No wonder it gets the best of all of us sometimes. But just imagine if you spent as much time practicing techniques scientifically proven to calm your mind as you do developing your physical body. What difference would that make in your life? How important is that to you? you know, to coin a huge training cliche, if it's important to you, you'll find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. Look, to help you start you on this journey, I'll cover off seven approaches that you may want to consider. Now, if you're into your self-help stuff, there's a strong chance you may have heard of some of these before. But the analogy that I like to use is this. Have you ever been down to the gym just once and then been fit for life? Yeah, didn't think so. So if you hear some stuff which I'm about to share with you that you've heard before, well, don't dismiss it. Maybe the reason you're hearing it again is a sign to you to say, hey, you know what, perhaps I ought to try this and see if it works for me. All right, let's get into this. Number one, identify your values and priorities. So, some more questions. What is important to you? What do you value most in life? When you know your values and priorities, you can make decisions that align with them. They also inform your decisions. Now, I explore this theme in depth, and I encourage you to check out my blog and podcast on this theme for more detail. They're entitled Get Clear on your values and all the tips and techniques are there for you to make immediate gains. Number two, set goals that are meaningful to you. Ever experienced this? You set a goal, work hard to achieve it and then when you finally cross the finish line you feel sort of underwhelmed. Where's the sense of excitement and accomplishment that you were expecting? If this sounds familiar it's possibly because your goal didn't resonate with you and I deeper level. In order to set goals that are meaningful for you, ask yourself what you want to achieve in your lifetime, not just in the next year or two. What kind of impact do you want to make? What do you want to be known for? Once you have a better understanding of your overarching ambitions, set smaller goals that'll help you get there. Remember, it's not the goal itself, but what that goal means to you that will make its accomplishment rewarding. I'll give you an example of why meaning is so important. Imagine your big life goal was to own a chain of coffee shops and through great sacrifice, perseverance and determination, years down the line, there you are standing in front of those shops pleased with yourself, but with a slight feeling of, oh, is this it? All that hard work, but also a nagging feeling of emptiness inside. Now, perhaps you've got a real life example you can relate to. Maybe the accomplishment of a 
degree, only to find once you've got it, that feeling of, oh, oh well, is this it then? How can that be? Well, going back to the coffee shop example, it's because it wasn't the coffee shops that were important, it's what they meant to you. The ability to provide for the village that sold you the proprietary coffee beans or the chance to give back to your community, the satisfaction perhaps of providing an outstanding education to your kids. Identifying the why you're doing what you're doing is essential. And why is that? Because it can help establish your own life purpose and in turn, the potential for ongoing contentment. Finding purpose doesn't have to be complicated. It can actually be as simple as volunteering for a cause that you care about or spending time with your family and friends and making a difference in their lives. It's important to remember everyone has a different purpose in life. What matters is that you find your own purpose and meaning. Don't compare yourself to others or try to be someone you're not. Just be yourself. Enjoy the journey. Number three, keep a worry journal. For one week, every time you start to feel stressed or anxious, write down what's causing your unease. The end of the week, look back at your entries and see how many of your worries were actually valid. Chances are, most of them were minor things that you utterly blew out of proportion. Writing them down will help you reflect on this and actually see it more clearly. Now, you may be thinking, yeah, yeah, Tom, heard about this one. It doesn't work for me. Well, in his book, 59 Seconds, Richard Wiseman explains in detail the science behind taking this approach. I cannot recommend it highly enough, by the way. The long and short of it is, writing in the worry journal forces our minds to become focused. So often when we feel anxious or overwhelmed, we reach out to family and friends, sharing our problems and issues and looking for support. And while this is of course helpful, it's rare our stories remain focused and we can end up sharing our concerns on multiple overlapping themes, which then sort of adds to our already emotive state. Now, I get it if the worry journal isn't for you. Here's an alternative technique that works. It doesn't involve writing anything down either. The next time you find yourself anxious or worried about something, give yourself permission to worry about it. However, not right now. So if it's morning, say to yourself you'll worry about whatever it is at 6pm that evening. Guess what happens? I think you probably know the answer to that. Try it out. You may be surprised by the results. Number four, make a list of your accomplishments. Take time out to be grateful and stop trying to control the uncontrollable. Yeah, it's easy to beat ourselves up when we're feeling stressed out, but going out of our way to remember all the things we've accomplished in our lives can actually be really powerful. Take a moment, write down everything you can think of, no matter how small it seems. Then enjoy reflecting upon all those strengths, those shows of resilience, your moments of glory in your life to date. Warning though, <laughs> warning in capital letters, check your mindset when you do an activity like this, because if you're feeling particularly frustrated, it can be easy to give yourself a hard time knocking yourself that you could have done more. That's not what this is about. You will 100% have accomplished things or handled things or overcome things that for others would have been huge setbacks. Hey, enjoy this moment. Bask in your successes. Maybe even think of ways you can share the wealth. How might your experiences help or support others? Now, what about gratitude then? Where does this play a part? I mentioned Richard Wiseman earlier and his 
brilliant book, 59 Seconds. In it, he dedicates the first 30 pages to research on gratitude. He goes on to share scientific studies done with individuals who took part in trials, which resulted in increases in happiness, stress reduction, cholesterol decrease, and an increase in exercise. I mean, who wouldn't want that? It is a fascinating read. It's important to add there was structure to what these individuals did. It wasn't just them wandering around their home, gazing at their sofa, thinking, oh yeah, I'm really grateful for that. It involved writing things down and engaging emotionally, but the rewards were significant, as I just mentioned. So what are the things you are grateful for? Could it be that you don't have to wake up in the morning to chop wood, to heat your home, that you can roll out of bed and have a hot shower in your centrally heated home? You can have your shopping brought to your front door, delivered to you next day, that you could, should you wish, and have the resources, order pretty much anything in the entire world and have it delivered to you without leaving your home, have a meal at an amazing restaurant, take a walk in nature with zero fear of being attacked. To quote a phrase I think was delivered by a guru the Beatles flew over to the UK back in the 60s. When he arrived at the airport and was asked by a reporter what he thought of Liverpool, he responded, these people are living in heaven and they don't even know it. So it can be so easy for us to take what we have in life for granted. There'll always be more stuff to have. There'll always be people who have more than us and there'll always be people who have less. Okay, let me just take this one step further. I mentioned earlier about being future focused and how that can be a source of our anxiety. Now that anxiety can be lessened to a degree through a gaining of perspective, which don't worry I'm coming on to. But let's just get real for a moment. When life feels like it sucks and it's getting us down, for many of us, what we do to make ourselves feel better is seek happiness in perhaps the changing of our circumstances, perhaps looking for a new job or buying stuff. And I totally get it. What's not to like about having the latest gadget or getting a better paid role? Okay, well, let me start by asking you a question. Think of something you were really excited about buying, say, a year or so ago. I'm talking genuinely, keeping you up at night, giddy in anticipation and excitement. Now, thinking about that thing, whatever it was, what's your level of excitement about it right now? Is it fair to say it no longer invokes nearly as much emotion? So what's going on? Why is this? Here's why. We get trapped in cycles. We experience emotional pain. Oh, my job's crap. Oh, my phone's old. So what do we do? We try to make ourselves feel good, happy, by getting these things, which of course isn't always an easy thing to do, which of course then leads to frustration, stress and anxiety. And assuming that we do finally buy ourselves that latest phone or car or maybe land ourselves that higher status job, what happens? It provides a brief period of happiness, leading over time to it becoming just another thing. It's no longer providing us with the emotional satisfaction it once did. We get bored leading to emotional pain, leading to us starting the cycle all over again. Thing is, it's never-ending. The latest phones will keep getting made. There'll always be a higher-status job. Gratitude, contentment, satisfaction with where you are now, appreciating the moment, taking yourself off this treadmill of more, better, best can be incredibly liberating. Now, I'm not for one moment suggesting you can't be aspirational. Just be mindful of how this behaviour might be impacting upon your well-being. So, if any of this resonates with you, ask yourself, what can I do to break this cycle? 
and take back control. Which, coincidentally, leads us beautifully onto our next theme. There's actually only four things you are truly in control of. Your thoughts, your actions, your talents and your energy levels. That's it. Other people's actions, thoughts and behaviours you can try and influence, but they'll be forever outside of your, in inverted commas, control. Trying to control the uncontrollable will simply add to your feeling of frustration. Have you ever heard the term circle of influence and circle of concern? Doing this on a podcast is never easy. Let me see if I can describe this. It's actually super simple, to be honest. Picture a circle and another circle inside that circle. I suppose if you think of a target, that would be a good example. Basically, just two circles, one inside the other. The outer ring represents the circle of concern and the inner circle, the circle of influence. So in the outer circle, you list those things that are creating the greatest challenge for you. In the middle circle, that's all about getting creative and thinking of all the ways you can influence whatever that thing is. For example, you may have been born with a hereditary condition that impacts upon your life. It's not something you'll ever be able to change, but there are some things within your control. Your influence. You can exercise. Look after your diet. Take your meds. See a physician on a regular basis. Another example might be planning a barbecue, only to find that the weather sucks on the day. You can be cross and angry, bitter and twisted about it, none of which will make the clouds part and the sun come out. Or you can reschedule, buy a gazebo, cook the food indoors. You may not get exactly what you want as an outcome, but using this model allows you to explore the many options available to you, thereby creating a level of empowerment. It's taken from another book I'd recommend by Dr. Stephen Covey. The book's called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. On to the next one, number five, take a break. Now, there's a danger as you listen to this to think, oh, I've heard all this before. Yeah, yeah, Tom, I, you know, I know relaxing and focused breathing is the way to go. And yeah, Tom, I get it. I know yoga and meditation or even just taking a walk can do wonders to help me calm down and focus on the present. I want something new. And I totally get it. When you hear stuff like this and you've got someone like me telling you to relax and look after yourself, it can be seriously annoying. I'm really conscious it can sound preachy and the advice literally so basic that it can be like, oh my God, this is so frustrating. Oh, you're just talking to me so condescending. But wait a sec, just hear me out, okay? Let me ask you four questions. You have to be totally honest with yourself for this to work though, all right? Here we go. Do you actively go out of your way to drink one and a half litres of water every single day? Question two, do you actively go out of your way to get eight hours of sleep every single night? Question three, do you actively go out of your way to do one hour of exercise three times a week? Final question, do you actively go out of your way to eat five fruit and veg every single day? Now, we all know these are important to maintain our well-being and our health. So how many are a regular and important part of your life? Often, we know what's good for us. Thing is, we don't actually do it. But how does this link back to getting a sense of control in our lives and creating a feeling of self-empowerment? Well, let me ask you a couple of other questions. How much fun are you to be around when you haven't had much sleep? What about being hungry at the same time? Tired and hungry, never a good combo. I'm going to take a punt and assume that you said you'd be crap company, as, as would I. 
Why do I highlight this? Because here's a quick win for you. Those things aren't hard to make become habits and they'll have a pretty instant effect on how you feel day to day. So often people expect the solving of their stress and anxiety issues to involve complicated and groundbreaking new techniques. Don't let simple fool you. Often we're not even doing the basic things that this example just here has proved. By the way, I have a blog and a podcast on habits, so if you want to start creating some positive ones, look for how to stay motivated, what works and what doesn't uh, on my website. Okay, on to number six, talk to someone. When you're feeling stressed, talking to a friend or family member can be a great way to release those feelings. Perhaps joining a club with like-minded people. And of course, don't forget, there's professionals out there too. You may find yourself being the one who lends a listening ear to others. I'm sure, once again, everything I've just mentioned isn't news to you, but it's worth putting in here as a reminder. Here's another reason why connecting, reaching out to others is a powerful tool for well-being. I'll be honest, I don't recall exactly who shared this, uh, but I'm pretty sure I heard it on a TED Talk. It was an experiment to help a select group of people get through a particularly challenging time in their lives, much of which was filled with stress, anxiety and depression. It involved a number of like-minded individuals who were chosen from the group and they were collectively tasked with clearing some overgrown land that had been left to the wilds and had seen significantly better days. Now, this wasn't an overnight event, the process took weeks, but through persistence and hard work, collectively they cleared the piles and, and all the land and it created a garden filled with planters and flowers and vegetables. Through this process, they were monitored and their well-being was assessed. I'm sure it'll come as no surprise to hear that everyone involved in this experiment saw huge improvements to their mental well-being. So why was that? Well, here's the reasons. Now, number one, they were part of a group of like-minded people. Number two, through the task, they became connected and being like-minded worked together to solve problems that were enjoyable. They were working as a unit. And number three, in broad terms, it met their psychological needs. It gave them a sense of belonging. Their lives had meaning and purpose. They felt valued and had a goal, as in there was something there for the future that they uh, wanted to achieve. Now, you may also be intrigued by this. In Japan, just north of the island of Okinawa, there's a village called Ogaimi, and it's got a population of 3,000 people. And at the time of recording this, they have 15 people in this village who are in their hundreds. Now, residents there are often cited as being the happiest and healthiest in the world. Now, clearly, diet and genetics are playing a role, but it's also recognised by scientists that a key factor to the village's longevity is what they called moai, which is a very strong form of community, where groups of people with shared interests form emotional connections, share information and are there for each other. It is actually fascinating. If you want to know more, just Google it. But I just thought it was worth throwing in there because it builds on what I've just shared. To summarise then, if talking to family and friends isn't your thing, but you can see the value of talking to others, find a club, activity, cause, whatever, something you believe in, and go join, volunteer, get involved. The distraction and connections you make may well be your first steps towards getting your life back on track. And finally, number seven, put things into perspective. So I promised earlier I'd explore this theme, and it's another one that can sometimes get people a little frustrated, especially when you get someone like me saying, Geez, yeah, what you're going through sounds tough. Well, you know what will help? Putting things into perspective. 
Now, let's not pretend when you're feeling stressed, hearing someone say, relax, that's not such a big deal, or just get a little perspective can really trigger the emotions. Things do feel like a big deal when we're stressed and anxious. Taking a step back and trying to put the situation into perspective, it ain't easy. That said, of course, and you know what's coming, taking a more rational approach and controlling your emotions is probably going to go some way to help. So I'll leave you with this. Martin Seldman, a New York psychologist, created six questions that will allow you to take a moment to pause and put whatever you've got going on in your world into perspective. And I'll share those with you now. So, number one, ask yourself this. What's the worst that can happen? Number two, what's the one thing you can do to help stop the worst from happening? Number three, what's the best that can happen? Number four, what's the one thing you can do to make the best thing happen? Number five, what's the most likely thing that will happen? And finally, number six, what can you do to handle the most likely thing if it happens? Thank you so much for taking time out to listen to this podcast. I genuinely hope you've got something from this and I wish you all the best in trying out the tips and techniques. If what you've heard you enjoyed, then I've loads of other blogs and podcasts on all things personal and professional development related. Go check them out. I'll see you on the next one.